Hey. Uh, we're having a prayer meeting for Jason this afternoon. You want to come? What are we praying for, Lila? A new spine for Jay? Tim, I know you never do anything you don't want to do, and I guess that's fine. But don't insult me. Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 74 of Tell Me Where to Turn. It's a very casual episode. It's very Mr. Rogers. Hey, who's that voice? Whoa, who's that guy? He's here, but he's not here. Somebody that didn't text and say they weren't going to be on the show? I just didn't text at all, and I just... You surprisingly decided to, on, on a whim, Skype call me, and I was here. And you just happen to have a microphone plugged in? That's pretty much the way it goes. Just I'm always ready to podcast all the time. So Point Break Dave's by himself alone in Austin in a house. He's drinking presently. He's Revolver. Man, so he goes to Austin, he starts That's drinking craft beer immediately. That a, is that a blood and honey? It sure is. It is. I recognize that bottle all the way from Austin. <laughs> so I te- I text him like 7.30, and I said, hey, do you have a few minutes to uh, try out a couple things with the Skype to make sure it's going to work? And he goes, give me five minutes. 30 minutes later, he texts me back, says, like, okay, I'm ready now. I want an accounting for that 30 minutes. Honestly, do you know what I was right in the middle of? I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was in the middle of online defensive driving. <laughs> Trying to get that ticket dismissed. I'm trying to figure out what's on the TV that I can see in the reflection of the doorway there. Just to see how many, how much Brazzers shows up. <laughs> that is Street Outlaws, sir. Oh, is that right? That's a nice place they've got you uh, set up with there. It ain't bad, man. It's, it's no, pretty sweet. I see a ceiling fan and a sign that says Austin on it. Makes a lot of sense. In case so, you wake up in the middle of the night and forget where you are. <laughs> Or what uh, day you're supposed to podcast? If we ever do a road show, uh, we can stay here. They got a nice uh, little back porch area. Very, uh, very nice for enjoying a few beers out there. So, is the blood and honey your idea, or was that did that come with the house? Yeah, no the the company just stocks the fridge with blood blood and honey and ice cream. I had ice cream <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Are they hiring? <laughs> not uh, not anyone who spends most of their day golfing. That position hasn't come open yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to need a complimentary country club membership with any kind of contract negotiations. Yeah, they only hire after the next employee has to have their leg cut off because of all the diabetes from the <laughs> beer and ice cream diet. That is kind of a uh, kind of heading you down that type two pathway. It really is. Really. All is. right. So, so you did a great job introducing the show. You didn't say who you were, who we were, or what the show was. Only three minutes in. So, yeah, this is uh, episode 74 of Tell Me Where to Turn. Um, I'm Glenn. You can find me on Twitter at Glenn3 underscore 11. You can find me at Tommy2 underscore zero. 
And you can find me at pointbreak underscore Dave. And you can find the show Twitter at where to turn pod. Yeah. Decent feedback from last week's episode. Seemed like uh, it trickled in, as they say. Okay. We had a little little trickle. Slow drip. Yeah. You know, just kind of where out. the stream started, stopped, started again. Sometimes indicative of prostate issues. Other times indicative of a odd Wednesday show and people weren't sure when they were supposed to listen to it. <laughs> or record it to begin with. Well, hey. two-thirds of the show do when we were recording it. I apologize. That texts are hard to read these days. <laughs> yeah, especially really clear ones that say <laughs> yeah. we're recording on a Tuesday. I, I just assumed I was suspended for my uh, comment about Mike Hernandez. I thought I was liable for a defamation of character. Well, as you try to run off the one listener we still have left, what? you take your best run at getting him out of the picture. You know what's funny is that wasn't even the most made-up thing I said that day. I also incorrectly said Abdul the Butcher killed a guy. <laughs> so the which part of that was wrong? The part about him killing the guy? You know, man, I was, and I feel bad about this since I am the wrestling historian of this show, but I had my facts all messed up. The uh, It was actually New Jack was involved in the incident, and... He, they injured the guy and got sued, and in court, he said something like, well, if he died, I didn't really care, but the kid didn't die. But Abdul the Butcher gave hep C to a guy because he bled all over him. So those stories were kind of getting combined. But you might have to go what, back and just delete that whole episode. I think that might, be the, that might be easier than getting this explanation out. Here's what we know from that. We know that Mike Hernandez does, in fact, listen to the show. And we know Abdullah the Butcher doesn't. Is he still with us? I he doubt is. it. He is? Yeah. Even he, so he's living with Hep C. He could be on the commercial. You never get rid of that, you know. I didn't know that. I think Pam Anderson has that. Really? Yeah, I think Tommy Lee shot it in her, I think. <laughs> I could, you know, like so she a, has it and a boat horn has it? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> If you say so. So, like, if you're buying a boat, you might want to get it checked for Hep C before you got, buy it. If it's a bit concaved in the in the horn area. Well, gentlemen, we fa- find ourselves with a bit of a dilemma here, and I'm going to need both of your help to solve this one. This great contest that we concocted, where we were going to pick the playoffs and there was going to be a bet payoff for the loser... We somehow managed to end up in a three-way tie <laughs> with each of us only picking two games correctly throughout the entire playoffs. Merry Christmas, Actually, Eagles. that's not true. Two, we all picked New England to go to the Super Bowl. So two games outside of the yeah, New Yeah, two games. other games. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so how, do we, how, we, how are we going to sort this out? I had a couple of ideas. Well, it's good. I like I like a guy that comes to the table with ideas. So, idea number one is that we just end up reviewing all the documentaries that oh. were suggested, not simultaneously, like maybe over the course of a few months. Okay. All right. My other thought is the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Well, you kind of spoiled the next segment. I didn't. You didn't watch the game. I thought we were going to go play by play. Well, this is going to be one of those where you get like 
you get the ending first and then we go back. Right, but there's like no way Brady threw for 500 yards and lost, right? I don't know. I guess you'll have to wait. Okay, I'll have to wait and see. But we have an Eagles fan that listens, a man by the name of Tom Ginsburg. Ah, uh, yes. Good dude. And my other, my other so idea is... Is he going to be climbing a grease pole or anything? Man, I, I guarantee he spent some time on a balcony last <laughs> night celebrating. Um, I think we let him pick. Let him pick a documentary for all three of us to review or let him pick which person's documentary has to be reviewed? I, I feel like you just said the same thing two different ways. No, I think the first thing would be where Tom just picks a documentary of his no, choosing no, it's and we all have to three. review it. Or he has to pick one of our three for the Ooh. other two to review. That, that was the uh, difference. Well, perhaps he could pick one of the three or throw out a wild card that we could consider. Okay. So That's my all, thought. We're all so what we're like basically going to do is put it in his hands. Yeah, he's going to carry us now. He is going to be the one set of footprints for our documentary <laughs> for our review. Show. And he's going to pick like the Donovan McNabb story or some documentary. <laughs> he's just going to pick, what was the, he's just going to pick Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a decent bit. Okay, so who's going to handle, as the official ambassador of the show, are you going to handle reaching out to Mr. Ginsburg? Yeah, just in case he decides never to listen again, beginning with episode 74. Very possible. Did you listen to episode 73? (laughs) Barely. Um, Yes, I will will reach out to him and, what was it? Uh, It was Unhung Hero? Unhung Hero for me. Well, Dave, yours was a... Finders Keepers. And it was about like an amputee storage unit? Yeah, it was a custody battle over a, a leg <coughs> that had been modified by the leg's owner. It's close to home for me. I'm like one step away from doing that. It almost happened to him. And then mine was about the lead singer of Lamb of God killing a guy over yes. in Europe. Yes. So yeah, there you go. So I'll talk to Tom. Okay. We'll get this uh, figured get this out. out. So Some more to come and maybe in our... 75th episode. Well, let's talk about the big game real quick. Yeah, we got to be careful. Oh, we don't yeah. want to have any trademark infringement. Big game got off to a great start for me when Pink sailed through the national anthem in a minute and 53 seconds. She was all flewed up. The under came in, as it were. And got off to a great a start. Word. Got that one too. Then immediately took a southward turn when some old veteran did the most illegal coin toss I've ever seen. He basically slid the coin across the field. So I'll take a quick poll here. How much did you laugh at his attempted coin flip? I didn't laugh at all because tails never fails, except when some vet that can't even toss a coin correctly is involved. Dave, what was your reaction? My reaction was one of utmost respect for our Medal of Honor veteran. I laughed almost hysterically out loud and was reprimanded immediately by my uh, better half that I live with. Did you guys also catch that Gene Statutory forgot to have anybody call the heads or tails yes. until the la- I mean, like the last possible second? Yeah, I was already standing up on the couch, going, "He's going to flip the coin without him calling it." You know what, that guy is my favorite ref, though. He's the guy that screwed Dez. He didn't make... Wait. He, was, he went under the hood? 
as it were. And reviewed and reviewed the Dez Cotton? Yes. I don't care. He's still the best ref in the league. And he always looks like he's doing bits out there. Well, he's always having a good time. He always has that smirk on his face. Or I forgetting love to do something, one yeah. of the two. I hate Probably Collinsworth. Like us, he's drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Collinsworth's terrible. Dude, he's like, he makes it almost unwatchable. Especially arguing that that one touchdown, oh, I don't know, this is going to be controversial when he took like five steps and dove and it's like, dude. Tucked the ball, untucked the ball, extended the ball, broke the plane. He must have had money on, on the Patriots. I think Collinsworth had money on the prop bet that a touchdown would be overturned because both times that they reviewed he really touchdowns, wanted it, yeah. he was advocating harder than I've ever seen anybody advocate for the reversal. And both times they were cut and dry touchdowns. You a Collinsworth fan? No. No. Although I do like his, uh, I like his ties and suits. Is that SG for me to say that? I don't notice what people wear. I think he's very sharp dressed uh announcer what am i saying it's an odd this is the other i'd rather hear the abdullah the, the butcher story again <laughs> when i tell you about how collinsworth gave me hepsi <laughs> all right so great game everybody that's listening i assume saw it so there'll be no surprises here but yes brady did throw for over 500 yards and still managed to lose I thought literally until the last second had ticked off the clock that the Patriots were going to tie that game up. Yeah. Even when the last Hail Mary was in the air, I was sure of it. Hey, Glenn, do you know? Yes. Do you remember what the spread was for the game? Uh, it was four and a half or five, I think. Yeah, Philly plus four and a half. Do you know who had the Sportsdramas bet of – yeah, you keep the four and a half. I'll take Philly minus six and a half for a big payday and hit. Wow. It appears to be point break Dave. He's, he's pointing to himself yes. on Skype. <laughs> and oddly enough, because I just had a small family gathering, but uh, Tommy showed up so he can verify that I had that bet going. Well, that is weird. I don't know why we were hanging out. Yeah, it was weird I didn't get invited. No, I know. It was almost like it was like a family-only event. Yeah, that's But odd. that wouldn't make any sense. No? Well. Because I'm what, looking at family pictures in here, and I don't see Point Break Dave anywhere. No, especially not that one to your left. No, not at all. He's definitely not in that one. No. That's just a picture of Jesus. <laughs> so, what do you think of Justin Timberlake? Dave? Meh. I thought it was all right. Yeah. I was waiting for, you know, some special guest. Well, I guess we got a special guest. I thought you were waiting for him to do D in a box. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you have that prop bet? Was that like you you bet a hundred to win fifty thousand that he comes out doing the D in the box? <laughs> Just wearing the gift. We got a special guest on a curtain, but I thought we were gonna get someone else was gonna Walk out there and so why didn't they just get a, get Prince to perform live? That's uh, what I don't understand. I assume just money. You He's know. right in the area, man. You think since he was hometown, he would have given him some kind of a discount? Yeah, but you, they just had to go with the towel so. version of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean sunglasses are really expensive, so probably couldn't get him out there. Just, they said that that he didn't like Timberlake. I don't in think re- they. I don't think they liked each other in real life. So. It, 
what's the I guess they have to do it because it's Minnesota, but that's the only reason they did it. Right, but I mean, can't Timberlake object to that and go like, "Hey, I didn't even like this guy. Now you're gonna you're gonna make me go up there and sing a duet with his sanitary napkin or whatever he was on there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I bet the NFL can be pretty convincing though. Even though they don't even get paid well, to do that. Speaking of they convincing, don't. I think they were convinced that they weren't calling back anything that was a debatable catch because that would have been a black mark on that game. I think that they, I think there was two things that they did. As they said, if anybody kneels during the national anthem, nobody it, did. But if anybody did, it wasn't getting picked up on TV, and there was going to be no discussion about it. And two, if there's anything that's even close to resembling a catch and a scoring play, it's going to stand no matter what. Those are the two edicts I think they put down for that game. There weren't a lot of penalties just in general. I felt like they missed some uh, helmet-to-helmets. They could have called pass interference for every pass that Brady threw. The Eagles were interfering with Patriot receivers like I've never seen. I bet it's on just because you bet the Patriots. <laughs> that was a pretty clean game. Yeah, it really was. It was a it was a good it was an enjoyable game. I wasn't expecting a Big Twelve football game to break out. Yeah, with yeah. one punt. <laughs> Careful. But still, <laughs> yeah. But still uh, highly entertaining. I was kind of no real rooting interest, but if you ask me my preference, I'd, I would have preferred that the Patriots win. Yeah, I can't Eagles. ever root for the Eagles. Yeah. But they were, they were the better team. I mean, you were talking about the whole time you thought the Patriots were going to tie it, but they were the favorites, but just watching that game – I'd say the whole time I thought that the Eagles were better. It wasn't like a matter of they got a couple lucky bounces and that's why they're in the lead. It seemed like they were the better team the whole time. Well, I have another theory about why the Eagles won. And it comes very close to something that this show's particularly been built around. Do we have the proper length of time to <laughs> give this its due? Do we, we, have need, the, we have the proper length and girth. Do we need 10 to 12 minutes? <laughs> we might need pl- upwards of 10 for sure. This is the headline from an article that was posted today on Deadspin. And I must say, if I had read this article yesterday, I might have actually changed my bet and gone with uh, Point Break Dave and taken the Eagles to lay 12. or <laughs> Someone's lay Eagles 12. laying 10 to 12. Allegedly, enormous donged Eagles QB leads team to Super Bowl victory. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions after defeating the New England Patriots 41-33 Sunday, and they couldn't have done it without stellar performance from backup quarterback Nick Foles and his reportedly gigantic hog. <laughs> like a wild one that he caught? Back in 2014, Foles' Eagles teammate Connor Barwin revealed that the QB had the biggest dong in the locker room. <laughs> Foles' nicknames were allegedly Big Dick Nick and Footlong Foles. <laughs> All right. Some rhyming there. If and only I had known about footlong foals before man. the game last night, I would have had something to scream and shout as uh, he was making the Patriots defense look like Swiss cheese. Did, <clears throat> did either of you, uh, after seeing that article that Tommy texted us, do some Google image search trying to find the uh, Amon Shumpert picture of Nick Foles. Nick Foles in some sweatpants at a mall. 
my uh, my browser history is polluted with different searches like that. Did they you ever... just do big dick Nick in quotes? <laughs> there's a got no results. There's a few they claim. They're all like on the field, and they're. There may be an outline in the uh, the football pants, but he's nothing. not running a four F forty yard dash by chance, is he? Is that be great? Well, at least now we have an official quarterback of the podcast. Yes, we, we have an official quarterback, and he also something else that he does that fits in nicely with the uh, North Dallas's foremost faith based podcast. He said after he gets out of football, he wants to become a pastor. Is that right? That's true. So his aspirations post football pastor. Do you think his giant dong will get in the way of that? His giant dong rep? Because that's what everybody's going to be thinking out there, no matter what. Everybody's be thinking that when he's pastoring? <laughs> yeah, because there's going to be snake handling jokes. <laughs> he's going to be, be like a regu- regular episode of the, the Potter's House breaking out again. <laughs> that, that, that was only a premium content. I don't think that made it to the episode. Oh, it didn't? I don't think it did. I think you cut that out. Oh, well, if I did, I apologize. We'll have to do that for the director's cut. Yeah. Wow. Interesting, interesting note. All right. Well, before we get into Waco, I want to tell you guys about my new hobby. So I have a new leisure time activity that I hope you'll find interesting. Is it curling? Trying well, to- yeah. I mean, I curl in the gym every morning, 100 reps. Is it trying to calculate all the money you've lost in crypto? I thought I thought I expressly told you before this episode started that we were not to mention that word. You'd have to get into exponents to calculate that appropriately. Break out your PIMDOS. We have to decide if I want to use the negative number with just like the minus or put it in parentheses or maybe in red. Got a lot of options to go here. I've I've started a new hobby that I think was really hot and popular about three or four years ago. And now it's peaked. Nobody does it anymore, and I'm getting into it. Have you ever heard of geocaching? Is that where you go look for stuff? Yes. Yeah. And I think there was a rash of people getting killed while doing this a Ugh. few years ago. Probably it, didn't. Ha- well, it could happen in Plano, but... Well, let me tell you, you a story about how I was almost killed yesterday. Oh, no. He was watching Actually, the football I believe game. it was two days ago. <laughs> so for the uninitiated, geocaching is... So uh, you don't think my description of you look for stuff was, was good enough? No, it's pretty close. You, there's an app you download, and it gives you GPS coordinates of hidden treasure that's out in the community. And what it is is it's, it's kind of like this role-playing thing. How far south did you have to walk? My... Uh, you have to make a screen name. My screen name's Big Dick Nick. <laughs> Good. Footlong Foles is still available. Yeah, Footlong Foles is still available. It's going to be a name. If I ever have a, like a thoroughbred, it's going to be called Footlong, <laughs> Footlong Foles. Foles. No, but people that are part of the geocaching community hide these little treasure boxes out in the wild. So, you know, there's a park close to my house and you kind of navigate to the GPS coordinates and for... Um, the first one that I found, I do, I'm doing this with my son. I'm not doing this for my own giggles. The golf course is available for those, for my own jollies. Yeah, because don't you find just like a whistle? No, you find a box and like there's but, just a piece of paper inside of it. And you write your name on it underneath 
the name of the last person that did. There, there's there's really no big payoff here. There's not money. Or, it's just a matter of finding it. No, it's really just an adventure. It's like a treasure hunt, only the treasure really sucks when you find it. But I can't tell you how addictive it has become. So we uh, we found ourselves crawling through this, you know, all these bushes at the park to find this uh, this geo box that's, you know, affixed to the very top of a bush. We had to kind of climb up a little bit to get it. And can then, I ask, can I ask a question? Please ask a question. How cl- yes? How close do the geo coordinates get you? Is it they like get a you in the vicinity? Yard? And then, the, and then there's crowd. So there, there's a there's a tab where you can go to where the crowd, crowdsourcing shares like hints and tips, and you you don't really use that unless you just can't figure it out on your own. But it gets you in the vicinity, and then you start looking around, and, and you have to use you know you have to use um, your cleverness here. Let me show you. What uh, are they in? Is it like a so, uniform? So here, thing? this is this is the first box we found right there. So it was, it was tied up in a tree. Okay. Uh, so we kind of had to climb up and get it. And then uh, the next one we found was stuck on the back of this little utility box. It was in a magnetic case. <laughs> it's not on somebody's property, is it? No, but here's here's where it gets interesting. The third one we went looking for, the GPS coordinates led us to a um, the little island in the middle of a traffic circle. So... Six-year-old and I leave our bikes on the sidewalk. We run across the street into the traffic circle and immediately forget that we're in the middle of a street because we're so transfixed on trying to find the hidden geo box. I'd literally stepped out in front of a car, and he had to screech the brakes to avoid hitting me. I was almost killed geocaching. Wow. Looking for a stupid box with a piece of paper in it. That would have been a that would have been an unfortunate way to go. How would you, how would that eulogy have worked out? Tommy two underscore zero died doing something that was cool, mildly cool three years ago that now nobody's interested in. <laughs> you know how I know nobody's interested in them? Two of the geo boxes we found yesterday, the last person that found them was in 2016. Oh. <laughs> They've been sitting there closed up for two years until Tommy and son stumbled across them yesterday. He's left us and now he's... He's playing Pokemon in hell where we always knew he'd end up. <laughs> Too bad his son had to witness him getting run over by an Impala. Yeah, but I was wearing a bicycle helmet, so who knows? Might have made it. Might have survived. Yeah, may just had a traumatic brain injury. Lived that, li- lived that life as a paraplegic, but I might have made it. Ugh. Could you have still edited the podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's true, because the podcast would have died with me unless... Man, no. Yeah, it would have died with me. There's no way. We could have found a way. No, I mean Dave has to have a sign on his wall to tell him what city he's in. He's not going to figure out how to edit a podcast. Does it look like I did the decorating in this house? It would just be a it'd just be a fat head of foot long poles if (laughs) I decorated it. Picture of a cheeseburger. (laughs) All right. Well. The real reason we still are powering through and why we're recording on a odd night is is Waco. I'm obsessed with this topic currently. So in this week's episode, Tim Tebow was there to help Chip and JoJo uh. <laughs> to do an ADA accessible home for a family with two children in wheelchairs. You know, I saw a little bit of that this weekend. He's in really good shape, by the way. 
He is in immaculate shape. Yeah. He's looking pretty good. Just kind of wonder what JoJo was thinking. Well, she's already pregnant, so it seems like... I just wonder if the reason they put in real hardwood floors was that it's easier to mop up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Man. Like the placenta? I have no idea what you're... I don't even know what that is. When it falls to the floor? Right, Waco, so episode two. Waco, episode two. Pretty good stuff. I am... Uh, pretty good. This is a pretty good episode, but I am obsessed with this topic now. To the point that I'm watching like separate documentaries on other channels. Oh wow! Supplementing my Paramount Network Waco coverage. So you're not watch? being faithful to the Paramount Network? Uh, not completely. No, I am not. I'm, you know, sowing my seed amongst <laughs> various networks. Your royal oats. Yes, much like David Koresh did with, as we found out, his youngest wife was 12 years old when he first took her. Yeah. It's going to be hard no matter how likable of a character they try to make him. It's going to be hard to outpace that one. Glenn, in your supplemental research, did you watch the home video? Apparently they pass out in negotiations at some point. They're, at some point in the standoff, they passed out like... Koresh recorded a video inside the compound and passed it out. It's like two minutes long, but man, it's a uh, it's kind of creepy. Well, the edited one, I mean, the whole thing, the one I found yeah. online was about two minutes. Some of the other stuff I watched had, I mean, there were several video clips that they showed, and they were all him laying on that beaten down mattress after he'd been shot. Yeah, and he'd was... have one one of his wives next to him and a different kid every time. Just kind of rambling on. Pre getting shot, but it was him. And one of the parts, he brings in the daughter that in the scripted show they just had, that Steve's wife had. And it's right. real uncomfortable because he's like, the, it's she's like one or so, and he's like talking to her and holding her up, and Steve is running the camera. <laughs> oh, real, no. Real uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I hope, that, I, I bet that'll make the show. So going back to some of the things we discussed after the last episode, mm-hmm. my other research, I found that uh, Koresh arrived at Mount Carmel in 1981. Um, he ousted the prophet at the time for the Branch Davidians, eventually. She was in her 70s, but she? he ousted... Huh? So this is not the person he dueled with. No, no, this is not the duel guy. Um, but she was the leader slash prophet of the group. Prophetess he, is probably more appropriate. I think in this time we're using the same word. I mean, but I, I know what kind of, I know your background. I know your thoughts. How you rank and tier everything. Um, but he, he ousted the prophet because she could not get pregnant in her 70s. And you know how he knows that? Oh, no. Because he tried oh, no. repeatedly. And as the story goes, um, she actually got pregnant and then lost the baby. In her 70s? That's what, I think that was his story. Because one of the things he mentioned, I can't remember if this was during, after the raid, like during the negotiations or just some point in time, with uh, 
that was on record. I guess it was, I don't know if it was the, with the police or not, but he, he mentioned there was a recording or, or uh, an interview that because he was able to get a 70-year-old woman pregnant, that he was God. And then later on, like, while the, you know, they're there negotiating during the 51-day standoff, they use that, that quote, that line, that recording against him, like in the media and the press, to try to show that he was crazy. But it well, wasn't... He, he, at the very least, he, he was had some interesting sexual tastes. Yeah. But it, I, I think something else I read about that was he may not have meant that statement literally. He may have just been talking a little bit off the cuff. Like he wasn't really saying that he. I, I don't know. That's kind of hard You're to talk about. Explain. Like the line from Almost Famous. Like more in that that. Yes, maybe he that was. Line. Yeah, maybe he jumped off a roof into a pool right after he, he said that. He was just that. talking about how powerful his seed was. Exactly. He was able to get a seventy-year-old pregnant. Exactly. So if they then to paint uh, him as crazy. They could have left out the I am God and just gone with that. He had sex with a 70-year-old multiple times. And the other thing, I forgot to write this down, but from what I recall, once he had taken over for the former old lady prophet, they just like, they didn't kill her, but they basically just disposed of her. Like they drove her out somewhere and just like pushed her off the back of a truck and said, you're not not welcome to come back here. She went from the number one cop to out of the back of a truck. Yeah, she was just walking somewhere in Waco. Walking to Rudy's. Take a Maybe she went to the silos. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, that's where Chip and JoJo's office is. <laughs> Not everything is <laughs> Chip and JoJo. There's only two things in Waco. So the other thing... <laughs> we can let him finish his... Okay. There's only two things in Waco yeah. joke? I want to hear this. No, that, that was it. There's just There's Mount Carmel and Chip and JoJo. There's no what schools about, of any what substance. About Coach There's nothing else. Yeah. What about two Big Twelve titles? What about that? Meh. Oh, okay. Um, the other thing is, I saw they had some footage from late '80s, early '90s. You know how, like, right after 9/11, they always showed that stock, like Al Qaeda footage, where they've basically like got like a kids' playground and some chin-up bars set up that they're. <laughs> Do, running through doing an American Ninja Warrior, yeah, and they like you know jump over a hurdle that's about a half six inches <laughs> off the ground and then do a roll and then fire an AK. <laughs> Was that there was similar Singh's training video too? Yeah. <laughs> there, there were similar videos from the that they showed from the Branch Davidians that he was preparing, basically preparing them for war, and they were doing similar type exercises. Most of it was just learning how to use a gun. And they had videos from inside the compound um, of the kids. They had real guns. They weren't loaded or anything, I assume. But, I mean, they were definitely teaching them at, like, age six, seven, eight. How to handle a real gun. How to handle a real a real weapon. Wow. So, anyway, that's background. So, now we go to episode two. And I think where we started there was, first off, there was a gift given. There was. So... My the guy who's going to ruin the show, John Leguizamo, almost made me just quit watching the show when I saw he was going to be on it. Why He's holed you, up in the. Uh, why do you have heat with him? What's what's? Because he ruined Bloodline when he joined the cast. Watch no, I Bloodline got that far. Okay, when he joins the cast, you'll be like, "Wow, the show just got ruined." You were right, Tommy. Okay. So they go they go over um 
this is a very odd setup. There's no way this can be how it really was. That they're that the FBI is staying in a house that's just right in front of the compound. It can't be. The proximity can't have been like that. Where Koresh can just walk out his front door, walk down his driveway, and then he's at the spy house. I don't think it was that close. That just seems preposterous. Yeah. Even the FBI can't have been that dumb, right? Well, we talked about that in the last episode. That he walks down to the end of the driveway and it's like he's nose to nose with him already. <laughs> right. So so they go and they knock on the door and they bring him a nice pizza because who doesn't bring their neighbor a pizza? And they bring him a six pack of blood and honey. There you go. So, so hold on, do you think you know, is Papa John's running out to Mount Carmel a lot back in those days? Do you think that was common? No, yeah. that was like straight up pizza patron. They don't have uh <laughs> Papa John's out there. Yeah. So, Leguizamo's going with the cover story that him and I guess whoever else they've spotted him with are ranchers. And then Koresh amazingly pulls out some ranch fun facts that I've never heard before about how many head of cattle can an acre of land hold and, and pretty much just bust John Leguizamo's cover open immediately. Not so he's already outfoxed the FBI. Yeah, not he's discovered their safe house and busted their cover story within one minute of meeting them. In real life, they would have them coached up with a better backstory than that, right? As much as they screwed this thing up, I'm not surprised by really anything that I see. Yeah, but I mean, if it turned out to be true, that's like me, you know, or the FBI sending somebody undercover to Devil's Bowl Speedway. <laughs> And then you say, do you know who Hunter Jones is? And they go, you know, my, my partner knows who he is. He'll be here in a minute. <laughs> Did you also notice that uh, Koresh and his uh, ranch, he, he also said something about, so how many could you feed on this West Te- Texas acreage or something like that? Waco, not exactly West Texas. Yeah, that's a good point. That's not West Texas. Yeah, and what month are we supposed to be in? We're still in May or you need June. You to get off this calendar thing, okay? <laughs> And he's got your your Kar- reservations have been noted about this calendar. Thing. Kar- Koresh is wearing like a hoodie and some sweatpants and ski mask. Coaching the Patriots, <laughs> they have weather continuity issues. Okay, so, so then we I think we we uh, John Leguizamo's invited to join the uh, compound or come to the compound. Yeah, for uh, the uh, nightly prayer meeting or whatever they're doing. Right, he's looking for the guns. Well, he's supposed to be looking for the guns. Right. Where does he go, Glenn, when he's looking for the guns? He goes up to the women's quarters, I believe. He does. Oh. Well, he has a map. He was looking at a map. <laughs> they drew him one on a piece they of paper. They drew the most half-assed map I've ever seen. It's just like a piece of paper with a red X yeah. at the top right of it. So he just goes up to the women's dorm. And he's not. Like, he didn't memorize it. He's like carrying it in front of him <laughs> like he's walking around Times Square or something. Well, the term... For him, the term special agent kind of has a different meaning. <laughs> this was kind of... Uh, Glenn 3 underscore 11. This is more of a charity thing that the ATF was was doing. But I do got to say, that's a pretty ballsy move of him that he steps foot in Mount Carmel. He's never been in there before. And instead of just maybe going to the prayer meeting, trying to get a feel for who's armed, who's not armed, how many people are there, no. He just goes straight up the stairs and starts looking for the stash of guns immediately. No FBI agent's going to do that. If you want the ultimate, you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. I wonder if this is kind of the, we've only got six episodes, so 
we don't need to show that he he actually slow played it for two weeks. I mean, it's either that or just showcasing the incredibly shoddy work yeah. that they did with the whole investigation. So he doesn't find the guns. No, but he does run into Koresh's first wife. Uh, I, yeah, I think so. And she she's already onto him, man. She, well, not the seventy eight year old. Yeah, that's true. Hold on. Yeah. Before I say the next thing, the first wife that he runs into, do we know her age? She seemed younger. But they already have a kid who's... Yeah, I, I would say she's of age, for sure. All right. As of the, t- the time frame of this actual show, but whenever... Right. We don't know what was going on. Before. Little Davy was conceived. I'm guessing she may or may not have been able to get her learner's permit. Well, and I mean her, no offense. At this current time, no, nothing wrong with that. This guy, she burned in a fire. Dave's going risk adjusted for a cult. <laughs> can, can she do wasn't worse. seventy. It's true. It's a low baseline, low benchmark. So she sends Leguizamo down to the prayer meeting, and. David's standing in front of his uh, Marshall stacks with all the guitars, doing his speech, and he insinuates that, hey, something's not right. Somebody in here uh, is up to something no good, and of course you immediately think he's going to out Leguizamo immediately. But no, it seems that there was some controversy around some ice cream. So we go to retrieve... The ice cream. And what do we see as he's going to retrieve the ice cream? In the walk-in freezer? Guns. And lots of them. Lots of guns. So it turns out that it it was one of his sons that took... I guess, well, not all the kids are his, but I think this was one of his his children that took the ice cream. Did you think he was going to whip him with that stick? I kind of did for a second, but then I figured... He's pretty smart. He's not going to do that yeah. in front of the FBI. Because he knows what's up. He knows why they're there checking him out. Right. So instead, they decide to all partake in the ice cream from one spoon. Yeah. If it gets up to me in that line, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm good. Good. I don't need hep C today. I don't need this. Yeah, but these people were all prepared to die together in there anyway. So That's true. the fact that the, maybe they get, you know... Some kind of stomach bug is not really much of a deterrent. Yeah. They they had running water at that time, too. Well, they had a walk-in freezer, so I'm assuming they had running water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, that's true. Do you think there's a lot of places in the world that have a walk-in freezer and no running water? Um, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, hey, Glenn. Yes. How many... Right now, at this moment, how many guns are in your freezer? <laughs> uh, zero. Oh, all right. I think I have some ice cream, though. <laughs> and more than one spoon. Um, Can't hide Okay, so, so they, yeah. So they, uh, about the same time during the plot of the episode, they're going to arrange for Thibodeau to marry. Tibbs. Tibbs is going to get married. Oh, Tibbs. So I guess this was just from the standpoint of that chick was also underage. I think that they had to cover themselves from the FBI 
because I guess they said in Texas it's legal for a girl to be married as young as 14. It's just not legal for her to be married to a guy that's already married. So they had to marry her off to Tibbs so that there was no um, yeah, basically concern about what was going on there. They had to be married. Otherwise, it was statutory. And they couldn't... There wasn't... Polygamy wasn't allowed, so they had to marry her to someone different. He may have changed his voice in the wrong word there. I think so, too. I think uh, the word that started with a P would have been the... Because now that's there for us to, to utilize later. Um, and Tibbs was more than happy. Dude, Tibbs... Uh, he's... I think I think the little Tibbs is going to get him in trouble at some point in this episode. He sure seemed to think that the um, burden of sex was getting transferred to him. <laughs> that is not the case. We 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 know the balance of power. Yeah. Here. So is there is there anybody that's ever been cock blocked worse on their wedding night than Tibbs when he literally? is married that afternoon and that evening David Koresh comes in and is like, <laughs> he's like, I'm with me. Tags out. <laughs> um, and he let Tibbs know, hey, not only can you not do that, you can't even be in her room because it's in the women's quarters. And then, oh, by the way, sweetie, come with me. So she was not excited about marrying Thibodeau. She was very upset. No, no, no. I, no, I, I don't think Tibbs. it was for that reason, though. I think she likes Tibbs. Well, but but there's the scene where she's out. They're pulling the clothes off the hangers out in the extremely windy weather yeah. that we always experience <laughs> in the middle of June. <laughs> um, you got to get off this weather thing, man. This and is then Koresh's uh, first wife, the one we saw that, that got... Liguizamo and the women's caught him in the women's quarters. They're right. out there. Not bad. And I, I noticed, noticed that it's mentioned that okay, she does. She's upset that she's going to be forced to marry him. But then the other girl mentions, I th- if I remember this correctly, that she basically had a dream that this is how it's destined to occur. And it seems like that's a big fallback for this group. Is anything the they, dream. Just, they just want to press forward? Is that? I saw it, I heard it, I experienced it in a dream. Yeah. And that's why we have to do this. So we kind of skipped ahead to the wedding night, and I didn't want to bypass the wedding itself because... Oh, I've got notes. Is the most Tim Riggins thing ever in this episode that he marries somebody while wearing an electric guitar? So (laughs) I I have a question, because inevitably I will have to get married a second time. Do you think that David Koresh will be available to play lead guitar at my wedding? You know, that wasn't a bad rendition. I I was actually I was actually quite on board with with the rendition. I just thought it was awesome that while he was performing the ceremony, he just kind of slung the guitar around to the back and just kept wearing it. Do you think he was a better guitarist than he was a suicidal cult leader? Just think on that. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait till like the end of the series to really be able to comment on that. Okay, we need the full need, need the full book first. Yeah. But, you know, he had a sex scene a little bit earlier before the wedding with wife number 1. We got to get her name. I'll look and I was it up. thinking, you know, he the actor, he must have lost a lot of weight for that role, huh? Cuz that's not CGI, is it? No, uh, he's looking pretty 
so he he went on a and a pretty strict weight loss regimen because Tim Riggins was carrying a little bit more a little bit more weight around than that. And have you ever seen? Uh, and I've seen a lot of Tim Riggins sex scenes. <laughs> let me tell you. Rachel have you ever seen? Koresh. Did you see him in what's oh, her name? Thank you. Rachel Koresh. Ah, uh, Rachel. Yes, yes, yes. Um, ah, first name Rachel. She's probably a natural for that scene. Um, Taylor Kitsch. That's his name, right? Yeah. You've seen Lone Survivor, right? No. You never seen that? I okay. Know. Only the rare movie that I've read the book and not seen the movie. So just a ma- and you know actors they go back and forth, fluctuate weight wise for different roles or whatever. Sure. So yeah. Im- imagine him. You've seen his Koresh Auschwitz body. Imagine oh. like a hundred pounds of muscle on it. Maybe oh, not a hundred, really? but a significant amount. Is it getting hot in here? <laughs> I'm glad you got the windows up. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm getting like sweaty or all of a sudden or something. I don't I'm know. I'd do some Google images. I've seen a lot of Tim Riggins slash Taylor Kitsch sex scenes. There's never been one where there weren't <laughs> beer bottles everywhere until this. And I'll tell you another thing, too. Tim Riggins was a jackhammer. He didn't stop in the middle of sex and say, um, we need to stop having sex because I'm enjoying this a little too much. That's, uh, that's just about the... That wasn't the purpose. He assumed you know? the burden of sex. That was, uh, that's not the, the... The enjoyment is not the, their mission. Have you done that recently in your personal life? I'm sorry. We're going to need to stop now. I'm enjoying this too much. <laughs> um... I mean, I haven't even gotten far enough in recent history to like trigger the scale. So, so my answer is is a a very unfirm no. A soft no. Yeah, it's a soft no. Flaccid no. <laughs> wow. What did you guys think of the post wedding dance party? Uh, it was awkward. Tremendously. Did you like when he uh, quoted First Corinthians to uh, John Leguizamo and said, uh, "Shyness is a sin"? I didn't even pick up on that. I did. When John went and danced, and he went over to him and he said, "Well, you know, shyness is a sin." Well, there you go. By the way, the real crush videos I was watching today—he's <laughs> he's got the voice pretty much down. He sounds really? a lot like him. Yeah. Wow. Look at those traps. He must work out before. He must do like tons of shrugs. Yeah, before he filmed Lone Survivor. That, that's like three David Koresh's. Yeah. <laughs> so that voice is pretty, the, the voice is pretty spot on though, Dave? Because all yeah. I hear is Tim Riggins when I, when no, I see No, he's it. not bad. I, I, I kind of thought his acting was a little better in the first episode than the second, but maybe I'm getting a little... I'm just thinking of Riggins as well. Dude. Or I'm just distracted by Lone Survivor Google images now. I think both of those are a problem. Got something to shoot for. Um, no, I think he's doing a good job, though. So what's his, what's his end game with the FBI here? Because he, he obviously knows what's up. He's trying to he turn under- him. He's trying to convert him. He's trying to convert him. But is he trying to play, like, soft play any of his down or his negative points? Because what I thought was interesting is when he when he disarmed him later in the episode and took the gun apart, dropped the clip out. Pop, I mean, he, he exhibited amazing familiarity with the weapon, 
called out that it had a modified trigger, you know, all these things. I would feel like the right play there is if you're trying to be the aw shucks, we're just here all loving each other, you don't display extreme gun knowledge yeah. right in front of the FBI. Right. The one that part of the FBI's purpose was him, for him to identify that something, whether it right. was legal and he, and or illegal. he fell right into their yeah. trap. And, and we already established that Leguizamo is a trash agent, and then he somehow tricks him into doing that. Well, I think the the real point of that sting was they thought Legazamo was in enough that, oh, you have modified guns? Well, hey, let's walk in the freezer and I'll show you all of ours. But that didn't quite happen. Well, I'm sure that was the... I, I think they talked about that before he yeah. went in. That, that kind of... Because he mentioned to the other agents, like, this is your big plan? You're giving me half of a sheet of notebook paper with a couple of boxes and an X on it. <laughs> And then I just find magically find the guns. They're just going to give up the information. But, I mean, the strategy, as I interpret it, was to find out exactly where the guns were to then surprise them with the raid, but they would know exactly where to go once they got in or pulled enough people out there, probably just pulled him out of there where everybody else would just, in their, in their mind, just give up. And they know exactly where to go to seize everything, get out of there. It's a big victory. They can take the picture on the back of the truck with all the guns and <laughs> probably plant some cocaine on there, too. and some <laughs> Sprinkle some crack on them. Yeah. yeah, just, hey, everybody, they, they invented blue meth here as well. Look at it. Glenn, what was, the, what was the name of that plan, the raid? Operation Showtime. You knew it was gonna fail. I knew it was gonna fail once I heard that. If I had no background, <laughs> it's kind of a story, cocky name, isn't it? If Operation I knew, Showtime. If this was just a random fictional story, once the government said, "Hey, let's move forward with Operation <laughs> Showtime," I'd have been like, "Yeah, this is gonna be an effing disaster." <laughs> so we haven't spent much time talking about the government in this episode. So there's a there's a new character that was introduced in the uh, government party that is my ultimate kryptonite on the show. Would you care to guess who that is? The PR lady? Yeah. Yes, that would be the special agent in charge of publicity, which is what her title was that she introduced herself. I'm the special agent in charge of publicity. That can't she was be supposed a real to control job. control the media and control the story. Yeah, so, and you've done more research than I have. Uh, but they didn't really go, what I saw didn't really go much how, into this. How did the Waco newspaper I don't know. break a story that the FBI was trying to keep under wraps? I haven't looked into that. I mean, obviously there was some kind of a leak, but right. But I mean, Waco exact source. I haven't looked. No offense to Waco, but their their local newspaper is not winning Pulitzer prizes left and right, as far as I understand. Was it the Waco Tribune? I think that's right. Yeah. Wonder how they're they doing wrote, these days. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, they're an online only weekly at this point. Have to be right. Do they have the? Uh, what was it? Was it the hashtag CAB? Is that what it was? What, Coach Art Bryles? Yeah. You think they're a big proponent of that? You think they just changed their name to Waco <laughs> hashtag CAB? <laughs> Waco hashtag CAB. So they broke the story breaks as the, the ATF is still, they've got their. They've got their model of Mount Carmel in their in their one room, which is, I mean, that their headquarters seem pretty. Funding is low for the <laughs> ATF during this time, as they've got a 
300 square foot room. They're about to get the model car and simulate the lightning. <laughs> <laughs> with a, just with a kind of a fold out table and somebody built them a model, which obviously they don't have two copies because they could have built a separate one and put it in the house that was five feet from the <laughs> compound where maybe they could walk Leguizamo, you know, have a little figure of him and walk him through <laughs> where the places he was supposed to go. It was built to scale and painted, I believe. I so he didn't have to go in ahead. episode five or six, like <laughs> that guy that's kind of running the operation just slowly walks over to the model with a lighter and just lights it on fire. And like, ah, oh, that looks right. <laughs> Oh. Uh, Waco Tribune Herald is still in business and still being printed on paper. American paper. Amer- Are we sure it's American? Oh, yeah. Definitely American there. This is hashtag CAB, hashtag MAGA paper. Hope it's weatherproof because there are a lot of conditions. You know, they, they have the <laughs> double plastic on there. Well, they got those terrible windstorms in the middle of the summer. <laughs> Through the, just the ranging temperatures. It, you know, it's 40 degrees in June and. Never know what to to what to expect there. So, I'm trying to think of anything else that we that we had left out. Was there what? anything that you learned conspiratorial wise, as far as um, that might that might make it look bad, and how the government approached it thus far that you learned from other sources? Um, not yet. I think so far from what I've seen in this show and looked into otherwise, it's. It's really just a series of impatience and just poor decisions. Especially how this thing, the the climax to episode two is, okay, so the Waco Tribune Herald or whatever breaks the story and publishes the article, Koresh is on the front page with the title of Sinful Messiah. Pretty good? Pretty good. Not bad? Not as good as footlong foals. No. <laughs> but at that point, the cat's out of the bag. I mean, I haven't... That's something that we could do is probably just pull that up and read what the article said. But I'm assuming it gave away that it was suspected that whether it was the guns, the kids, the wives, or everything, that that's what was out there and it needed to be a stop put to it. I remember when... This was happening. Of course, I was much, much, much younger. But the the polygamy and the underage girls was all that it seemed to be interested to at least the people around me. As far as we got to stop this guy, it wasn't about the guns at all. Because it was really a different time then. You know, we weren't as worried about people, you know, arming themselves and committing these crazy terrorist acts. Is that that wasn't necessarily something that happened? So. The sinful Messiah to me was way more about the sexual. Well, and what more logical organization to send in and stop this than the Bureau Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms? That's right. To stop child sex. Right. <laughs> they just didn't. To, the, they the, needed to send in alcohol, tobacco, and refrigerators. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> the full acronym just wouldn't fit on the back of the the jacket. Was the problem? That's right. Do we know if uh, the mailman was true to life? Because I thought that was a funny thing in the the end of the oh, episode. Yeah. He's just driving along. He sees a the news guy 
ask him for directions, which I thought was weird because it was just like a Channel 4 news. It wasn't, you know, like CNN. It's like, this guy should know his way around. I feel like this was just a way to kind Bridge. of connect everything because yeah. the whole, you know, it publishes in the newspaper and the whole bit was that the ATF had tipped off the media that you need to be there for this because we're going to we're gonna pull all the guns and 12-year-olds and cocaine you've ever seen in your life have you, this compound, and you need to be there to film it. Have you heard of Operation Showtime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's called Operation Showtime, okay? You can't miss this. So I don't know if that's how it really played out, but I feel like that may have been just, okay, we need to explain that there was media, and that place I haven't, it, show field trip at some point to go find it. But um, It's still there, and oh, there's yeah. still people living there. Oh, yeah. Oh, the okay, British Davidians are still there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, I feel like just as part of the episode, they just had to show that there was media traveling in from all over. They didn't say where that guy was from, but he was just a dude in like a Channel 2 news van on the side of the road. There's no GPS. There no. I think he had a phone. It was but, like the Saul Garza of his time. Exactly. And he's, he's, he's looking at a map, and he's basically just looking at a bunch of fields, and then the mailman shows up. Kind of so helps Carl Malone was there. <laughs> yeah, he was. Doesn't deliver on Sunday, so that's an NBA. It's a 1997 NBA Finals joke for probably no one right now. Get a blank <laughs> stare. I'm sorry. Game one. Look it up. I just remember from his time in WCW. Brief. Did he get Diamond Cut or was no, he with Diamond? No, Dallas he was Page? with he was with uh, Diamond Dallas Page. He he was uh, against the NWO and Dennis Rodman. Hmm. Yeah, Rodman was with Hollywood Hogan. Well, he couldn't beat him in a real sport. He had to take him on in a fake sport. There you go. I'm staying in my stance. All right. So where were we? Waco, media, the the mailman. So, And then what gives it away is the guy's asking where this place is. I don't think that got the, that, the mailman, the postal worker's suspicions up too much. But then when the... the <laughs> El Camino full of <laughs> machine gun toting government ops. With the odd guy that was facing backwards just staring at him. <laughs> it almost looked like he was pointing the gun at him too. <laughs> so stupid. You know that guy is like the guy that's like when he heard it was Operation Showtime was <laughs> put on the sunglasses. Just beating his chest. Oh yeah. So he got this. He was doing crunches and put his Oakleys on and so then, as Dave brought up, and thanks for bringing this up, because this was a this built the uh, suspense and drama there at the end of the episode. This guy shows up, and uh, Koresh is talking to the oh, quote unquote undercover guy, <laughs> and already kind of knows he knows who he is, and this is in the paper, and he knows what's going on, big picture wise. But then, postal worker guy shows up. He talks to the bald guy with the beard. Who I think that was who it was who knocked and said, "David, you have a phone call, and, or you? I think it was a phone call. And yeah. You need to get this right away." But it wasn't a phone call. No, it was not. That's what phone we call, call is code word. Yeah, in the in the cult world, we call call that a code. Yes. <laughs> so he walks out there, and he basically just says, "For lack of a better term, they're coming." There's got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> they were all out. And uh, Liguizamo realizes that the key to their whole plan was the element of surprise. 
which they couldn't have less of. This is like, <laughs> let's say the Eagles had showed up yesterday and like, I don't know, none of their equipment was available <laughs> and Nick Foles walked in and he was only like a tenth of what he normally is. <laughs> And they still just said, yeah, we'll just play the game anyway. We're going to go for it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what the ATF did. They had a two-inch weapon for a 12-inch plan, in my mind. And next episode, I guess, we didn't get to actually see what's going to go down, but it's not going to go well. No, well, I mean, we know the actual story, but... Um, Leguizamo's character speeds out there. I question whether this is accurate, too. Yeah. I just can't imagine they would be so disinterested in what he had to say. Well, I mean... Just everything we know about tactical police work is that they are abundantly cautious in every situation. And now you've got a guy that's been in there going, don't go in, they know you're coming, they know you're coming, and they just blow him off, drive past him. Unless it just fell under... They were under orders to do so. Nobody stops unless Captain Showtime calls it off. <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Because yeah. I was watching the episode last week, and that's one thing the wife pointed out was none of them slow down, maybe roll down the... I'm sure it's a manual, you know, yeah. roll down on the on the truck, you know, hold off for a second, and, yeah, what do you got? Is that pizza in there? <laughs> you got any more got pizza? got any of that pizza Patron left? But yeah, they do not stop, and we leave off as they are hurriedly approaching Mount Carmel to blow it the dam away. And then episode three, we'll probably pick up right there, and 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 it looks like now the standoff is going to be part of this. So we're getting we're getting to the standoff. Um, there was you know maybe a thirty forty five second preview of episode three that they showed. There is a, uh, they've got a lot of the detail down as far as the members of the Branch Davidians that were involved. So there's a guy, I think, it, I think his first name was Mike, and I can't remember what his last name was, but there's, if you Google image like Waco, Branch Davidian, and death or bodies, there's an iconic photo of, of this guy who was, who was shot, and I think he was the guy they left out there for like five days. And he's just all sprawled out on the on the ground. But uh, the preview for episode three, there's maybe a two seconds that he's in the preview, and he's just standing in the background. But they have it like down to the stitch as to what he was wearing. And he was, hopefully, it'll show him and it'll tell the story. But just very briefly, he was in a separate part on their property, and either just heard all the gunshots, or somehow by word of mouth, CB radio phone whatever found out what was going on and rushed back to try to help people story goes is that he had a gun fired first but he got shot numerous times Mm. and i think they just left him out there Mm. but i picked up on that just from unfortunately seeing the photo online and being like that's a dead body and then I'm watching this, and then he's just like he's just in the background for the preview for episode three, and I'm like, that's the dude. And they have that same terrible sweater on him <laughs> that he was wearing when the when the ATF blew him away. So, so overall, during this, what, what were your thoughts? Does that um, does that curtail ordering Marco's pizza delivery or? 
They could probably just have it delivered to that house that's down the road. <laughs> Overall, I'm on board. I loved it. I checked the ratings. It was not one of the top 25 most viewed shows of the night on cable. That's a tough thing because the lowest viewed show just had a couple hundred thousand viewers. So I don't know that it's caught mainstream success yet, but I'm enjoying it. Let's keep in mind it's on a network that no one knew existed right. two weeks ago. But if this show was an effort to put it on the map, I don't know we're there yet. But No, not yet. We only got six episodes total, so it's not going to be one that people catch up on later by any means. Indeed. But so, I'm enjoying it, yeah. I thought it was a good episode. No, I think it's good. And I think, uh, as expected, episode three will be the initial standoff or raid, I guess. Um, and then they'll unfortunately bring the heat in episode six. I think those are the two big ones. So I think this week and a few weeks down the road is when they're going to really drop the hammer on us. So it should be good. Good. So anything else before we get out of here? No. Um, Nick Foles and Taylor Kitsch, I've got plenty. I've got material for a week. (laughs) 